Welcome back to the True Transformation Podcast. This is your host, Josiah Novak. And today I have my new friend, Matt Choi, on the podcast. Super, super excited to bring you this epic conversation that took place right outside of New York. We were actually overlooking the New York skyline in New Jersey the night before High Rocks, New York City 2023. Matt was kind enough to fly into New York, take some of his precious time that he would be probably spending with his family or friends and take an Uber about an hour to podcast with me for about an hour. And our conversation, despite it potentially being all about running and how to be a great runner and how to do marathons and how to avoid running injuries and all the things that Matt has become very, very known for. We actually went a completely different route. We talked about what it takes from childhood to being a teenager to adulthood to become a college level athlete. So if you're a parent out there who's like, man, I want my kid to be successful in sports. Well, Matt was a division one football player and grew up with minimal resources, access, you know, minimal access to special training and practices and all those things that you see a lot of people have these days. Matt didn't have that. He had a brother. He had a drive. He had a will to succeed. And we talk about what it really took for him to reach the next level. We talk about parenting. Uh, we talk about adversity. We talk about what it really takes to be great in life. And we talk about why Matt does things and what his relationship with his parents was like growing up. These are some things that I don't believe Matt has talked about on a podcast before. He's done a lot of podcasts with some pretty amazing podcasts. And so I'm excited to bring this one to you. Uh, Matt can be found on Instagram. That's where he's really, really crushing it these days. Um, and if you just go to Instagram and you look up Matt Choi, I've linked it in the description, of course, but if you want to check it out, he posts some of my favorite content on the internet. It's just at Matt Choi underscore six on Instagram. And uh, he has recently run, I believe, six marathons in six months. I believe he just did one as, the re as of this recording, the 2023 Grandma's Marathon. Great name, by the way. But You'll love his content and uh, his inspiration. We do talk about a project that he is working on for later this year where he is heading over to South Korea to run 15 marathons in 15 days. Uh, and it's pretty epic stuff. So you'll want to check that out. But nonetheless, sit back, relax, and enjoy this epic conversation with my good friend, Matt Choi. All right. Hey, before we jump into today's episode, just want to remind you that our summer body shred is underway. If you are a guy over the age of 30, or if you're just a badass professional over the age of 30, and you're just like, hey, I got to get myself together. And I prefer to lose weight during the warm months because let's just be honest, it's nicer to work out. It's probably a little easier to get motivated in the morning to go train when it's nice weather out. So it's pool season. It's beach season. It's time to drop a few pounds. And I can tell you right now, if you get started today, over the summer, you can drop 30, 40 pounds if you really put in the time and you just follow our 3M system, which you can learn all about at 3MFatLoss.com. 
3mfatloss.com. Go to 3mfatloss.com and you can schedule a consultation with me or my team. What we promise on these no obligation consultations is that we will set you up with your starting calories, with your starting workout plan, with all the things you need to change ahead of getting you in the coaching program. It's on us. We want to get you on the right path immediately. Now, if you're a mutual fit, if we feel like, hey, there's some opportunity here for us to coach you and you feel like, hey, I need more accountability. I need the support. I need something that will last forever. Then we can talk about coaching, but we'd love to just get you off on the right foot. So go to 3mfatloss.com and schedule your no obligation free consultation today. All right, let's jump into the podcast with Matt Choi. All right, bro. This is actually, so I was going to tell you when you got here, but this is the first in-person podcast I've done since before the whole crazy thing that happened in 2020. No way. Yeah. Cause I was doing almost a weekly in-person podcast in okay. DC. My last guest was February of 2020. And I had like probably 12 guys lined up for that year. <laughs> <laughs> well, so dude, I, I'm honored. I've been man. dying to do an in-person show, man. I'm pumped, man. I was like, I so I, I, this happened. Dude, I love having, I love doing pods, but doing them in person is a different vibe. And even just like the, the pre-chat that we just even had, I just, I, I love that shit. Dude. In-person is arguably a hundred times better. I agree. Because you actually get to meet someone, number 100%. one. And then you're like, this person's way cool. Like virtual, it's just, I don't know. It just feels like you're just kind of going through the motions. You know? And it doesn't stop after just like the, the conversation's done, right? Because then there's like the, the pre, the post. And yeah. no, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm super pumped. I hate hitting like in record. You're like, all right, it's great meeting, you know, meeting you or whatever. And you hit in record and then you're like, okay, well, See all right. <laughs> Exit the Zoom room. Dude, I hate it. I hate it. So yeah, so we were, we had a studio in DC and it was killing it with in-person, but I've been telling Ryan, I was like, I cannot wait till we do another one. So I'm pumped that you're here, bro. Dude, hell yeah, man. We are in uh, New Jersey, technically, yep. which is where you grew up. Right? It is. So I feel like I'm back, back home. home. I am. You still got a lot of people here? Or? I do, man. I mean, a lot of my family's in North Jersey. Um, my mom's in Delaware. I'm, I'm going to be seeing her on Sunday. Um, Jersey's home for me. When you ask yeah, me, like, Yo, like yeah. you're from Maryland, I'm like, I am, but Jersey's got a, a special part in Do, my heart. Does it feel like, because uh, I, so I went to high school in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. And when I go to Virginia Beach, there's still like a different, like, I know everything type of feeling, right? Fair. Like I know the roads, I don't got to do GPS, like yeah. nothing, right? Does that, is that the same for Jersey or is it like, or would you say Maryland's more like that? I think Maryland's more like that. Jersey, I still, I, I would say, I don't know it perfectly because I was younger. Okay. So I, I wasn't driving at the time. So, you know, when you're like on the road, actually driving, you have more of that awareness of like, oh shoot, like I know this exit or this like kind of cut road or whatever it is. Um, but I guess because I was here through college, I, I would say Maryland's more like that for me. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's weird. I don't know. It must be because of when we're driving, right? Yes. Because you're like, there must be something in your subconscious that just maps it out. And for then sure. you're like, I don't know, even Northern Virginia, where I've been the majority of my mm-hmm. life, it still doesn't have that same feeling as Virginia Beach, which is just a weird thing. Mm-hmm. I, it is what it is. But why are you out this way? So what, what brings you out? Yeah, I mean, at first I was gonna come and do high rocks, and you're not because you wussed out, right? You you saw me, you saw my calves, and I I was just like, "Damn, dude, this guy's loaded." I can't. I'm like, "Fuck, I gotta, I gotta go do this." The veins are popping out. You're like, "Is that thing alive? Like, what's in there, dude?" Change um, of plans. I had a, I have a friend of mine um, that has a series called Birthday Party. Okay, where he helps creators celebrate like a concept or a wish. How many times do you have a birthday candles and your cake right in front of you and you make a wish? How many times does that wish come into reality? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, He had this thought of like helping creators celebrate it. Like make a tangible wish 
not going to Mars, not yeah, yet, yeah. but like something that's like in your wheelhouse, right? In your ballpark. So he actually came out to Austin um, two, like two, three weeks ago and he let me run on the Coda track, the oh, F1 wow. track. Awesome. I was like, yo, I want to run a 5K on the F1 track. Basically <laughs> one of our other buddies, Tyler, that lives in New York, wanted to do a team ultra marathon from Montauk to Times Square. Wow. 126 miles. So there's eight people on each team. It starts tomorrow, which is High Rocks as well. So I was trying to do both, but it was just becoming a logistical nightmare. So then I was like, yeah. all right, like which one kind of is the more bang for your buck? There's gonna be a lot of High Rocks. You and I, all, oh, all, sure. we'll, we'll be able to do another High Rocks, but this run with the production, with the logistics, it was yeah. kind of more dime for like I, w- I wouldn't create that again, you know. Oh no, that's it's like a it's an experience right? for sure. It's a memory. It's it's hard to recreate that. I, it makes a ton of sense. You're putting a lot of miles in though. So are you like what? what how much are you running tomorrow? Because you've been running yeah. marathons. Like I feel like I check your Instagram and it's like, oh, this dude just <laughs> casually ran his fifth marathon in like five weeks. Exactly, hundred percent. So I mean, tomorrow will be interesting. I mean, 126 miles. All runners are different levels. So you know some. It averages out to be 15 miles for each runner. Okay. Some might do 20, some might be doing 10, some might do eight, some might do 23. So it kind of just depends on who's your team, the different strategies. So that you don't you know how much you're I don't know. I mean, I'll okay. probably run anywhere tomorrow, anywhere from a half marathon to 20 miles, anywhere in that distance probably. Got it. And so you're not like what I would consider a typical runner though, because you got into running a little bit later. Like you didn't go to college for running. Yeah, no. You, when did you start actually going, hey, I like running, this is my thing? <sighs> I got obsessed into running during COVID. Really? And it was when I was- When I I wasn't podcasting in person, you were just (laughs) crushing miles. (laughs) I was crushing miles in Maryland um, during lockdown. Mm. So you were in Maryland still? I was in Maryland still. Okay, okay. So 2020, I was working as a personal trainer at Orange Theory. I just had gotten into the fitness industry and I was consuming a ton of David Goggins and like Jesse Itzler and Nick Bear, Mm. all these like- seemingly ordinary guys that started getting into this endurance activity, endurance sports. And it made me just like, kind of like have that light bulb moment of like, oh wait, hold on. Let me see like what I can do. Like, I don't fucking love running, but like if I could do something I don't like to do and like improve myself, like get comfortable being uncomfortable, I just started getting obsessed. Mm. So now just uh, people see me on social, they're like, dude, you're that runner guy. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, it's how people perceive me. Yeah. Then I have my other friends I play college ball with and they're like, dude, I can't believe you fucking run. Like we, we used to barely do, doing. yeah, it's like we were doing, we did 300 yard shuttles and 110s right, for football. Yeah, like, yeah. We don't do miles. So oh, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a story of someone that just reinvented themselves. And I hope that it inspires other people to feel like they can do the same. Like you don't have to put yourself in a box of like, oh, I'm just this, I'm just an accountant, I'm just a football player. And for a long time, that was my messaging for myself. Sure, I think that being in the fitness space and helping just the average person permanently transform their body and their life, right, in the process, I see a lot of people lose weight, right? Mm -hmm. And then they go like, oh, okay, what's next? Like, I I don't know, like, is that it? You know, I get to the top of what they thought was the mountain. Like maybe they get abs for the first time. And then they're like, well, I guess I'm just going to go back to what I did before, eating nachos and watching Netflix or whatever, right? Because they don't know, like, there's so much. Of course. There's an there's adventures to be had, as I say. Like, fitness is the ultimate flywheel when it comes to adventures, running being one of them. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because you and I almost got into running at the same time. Mm. 2019, I tore my bicep. And being a bigger guy, like, I'm actually much smaller now than yeah. I was then. I'm sure for you, similar deal, background being football, that transition, was it easy? Were you just like, oh, dude, I'm a runner. I didn't even realize. But, or was it like, oh my God, I don't know about this running. What'd you play in football? 
So I was a linebacker. Yeah. So I, so I played receiver. Okay. So you're a combo guy. Like you can definitely run, but you're also a hitter and you're yep. a bigger guy. You yep. hold more mass. Um, as a receiver, you run. Yeah. Not miles, but you're out of oh, the position. You're, you're sprinting you're, a lot. You're fast. Exactly. Yeah. So I had that as my background as like more of a fast twitch athlete mm. that then got into this slower twitch kind of activity. So it didn't come, na- it didn't come easy, but it's definitely more natural than a lineman trying to start running. Sure. Than sure. a fullback or right, a running back, whatever it might be. So I think for me, I just started building up small habits and routines okay. to build a strong foundation. Yeah. Right. It's like if you're building a house, if you just build it on with stray or with like, if you don't build it with brick or a good foundation, then it's going to be, it's going to crumble. Yeah. So a lot of my running journey was doing the Murph 30 days in a row. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. So that's actually, <laughs> that's, that's how you started. That's how I started. So <laughs> hey, then, welcome to running. <laughs> here's your weight vest. Here like, you go. <laughs> two, uh, two miles a day, hundred push, hundred pull-ups, 200 pushups, 300 squats. Yeah. And you do that by the end of the month, it's 60 miles. Oh my it's 3000 pushups, 3000 pull-ups. Were you doing 6, the straight Murph every day or was it just like kind of broken up as you saw fit? Or well, I, I like did, I, I, I broke it up into sets, but I completed okay. one Murph every day. That was my workout during the Dang. pandemic. Oh, during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, makes sense because you're at home the gyms are closed yep. so i had my neighbor who's oh, really genius. handy he made me a freaking pull-up bar in my mom's garage with this metal pvc pipe i said tony i need to just i all i need is a bar make <laughs> me this freaking pull-up bar we put wood on the freaking garage and then i just had a pull-up bar. i just was ripping pull-ups oh, i'm sure you're getting just jacked out of your mind too. <laughs> and, and i didn't actually just i didn't wear the vest the first 15 days so how i kind of progressively overloaded it so uh, i started smart. the first 14 days no vest the next seven days 10 pound vest. The last eight days, 20 pound vest. Oh, because man. I knew that if I just jumped into 20, my body would be in a complete shock. Yeah. Your joints can't withstand an additional like, pound of just like the mass, right? For sure. So I just slowly progressed into it, but that's how I started my running. And then after that, I did 2000 jumps every day for 30 days to build a ton of elasticity. Jump, rope or? jump ropes, yeah. Okay. Okay. So 2000 jump ropes a day and I just Built a ton of elasticity in my soleus and my calf. And that I also think helped to build a strong foundation of building strong feet. Yeah. A lot of runners now just want to start running, but they have no fucking foundation. Well, why so, is that though? What, what do you think is the biggest call? Well, I think it's about instant gratification. They yeah. see Goggins, they see something, they might see me, they might see you. They're like, oh, this guy's starting to run and he's ripping times, he's building a brand, he's doing X, Y, and Z. I want to do that. Yeah. But no one saw the shit I did the first 90 days, the first year of me making content. No one watched. I had a thousand followers, dude. You're talking about me because I was the guy like, oh, I can just be that guy. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, think I'm about ripped, it. I'm bro. Of course. I can just go run. And it doesn't work like that. No. And then no. I think running shows, running has taught me patience. Mm. It's taught me delayed gratification. It's taught me solitude and to em- embrace the smallest thing because at times when you're running, all you have is your present moment. Even as I bring my phone, I can't look at emails. I can't like, yeah. I can't be doing all the shit that this distraction of a world that we live in offers you. And I think running for a lot of people, it gives it, that runner's high is something that in the weight room, you can't recreate. No. I love the weight room, but like there's things about running that offer a different element. And I, I think it's why so many people gravitate, gravitate towards it. And it's also very easy to start with. All you need is a pair of running shoes and sure. a decent attitude and you can fucking start. Yep. Yep. You get in the weight room. Some people don't know how to hinge. They don't know how to lunge. They don't know how to squat. So there's so much friction when it comes to weightlifting yeah. that running is just, oh, I can tie my shoes and step out the door and I could just start. Yeah. A lot of that creates that easy access for people. Did you find, I'm curious, because I went through this like evolution when I started running, where my running, I thought my running form was awesome because I was mm. a sprinter, right? Yeah. And then I 
actually hired a running coach because I started getting injuries right away, right? Like everything hurt, dude. Mm-hmm. Me, I thought I could, I was like, I'm destined to just be like a sack of shit because I can't run, my biceps torn. Yeah. And now I'm just going to ride a bike or something. I don't know. But I hired a running coach. Mm-hmm. The first thing he did was film me running from the side, running from the front, like all this stuff, right? And he was like, dude, your running form is trash. Mm. I was like, what are you talking about, man? I've been like sprinting my whole life. He's like, no, no, no. It's a different kind of run, right? So he showed me and I was like heel striking. I was over striding. Yeah. I was embarrassed, honestly. Did you have something similar or was your running form like pretty, pretty good from the start? I had decent running form, but if I look at videos, it definitely wasn't as clean as it is now. Okay. I dealt with a lot of shin splints and plantar fasciitis when I first started running because some of my form was just, it wasn't clean. Yeah. Um, so a lot of me recording content was me almost journaling my form. Watching yourself get Bro, better. Bro, when I see clips of me <laughs> two years ago and I'm like, fuck, look at my arms. It's like way out of control, overstriding, uh, all those things of most runners when they're starting, it's like, yeah, you don't really know. Cause it's, it's such a primal movement. It is. You, anyone can run. Now there's obviously more efficient running patterns, but at the bear level, everyone can go out and sprint. If they're getting chased by a bear, by a dog, if yes. the zombie apocalypse hap- happens, everyone, you could sprint. You would find a way. Yep. As you want to get more efficient, if you, as you want to like make sure that you're not getting injured, you obviously can clean things up. But dude, same thing. My shit started to get much better as I put more reps in, got coaches, got people that were way smarter than me about yeah. running. And over time, you surround yourself with smart people like in anything. 100%. You get better. It's... And now I feel like an a-hole because I'll be driving down the street and you I'll see people it. running. <laughs> and I find myself going, whoa, wait, 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 stop, stop. I want to like help them, right? Because I'm like, I've been there, dude. Like, I know, man, I watch videos of myself. I look terrible, mm-hmm. right? Now I watch videos, I'm like, okay, clean, right? Yeah. Looking kind of clean. Yeah. But I see people running, I'm like, damn, I know that hurts. You know, you're going to get home and it's like, why, why, do, why do I do this to myself? But I'm like, dude. it doesn't have to be that way. Because that's, that's what I hear from my, our clients, right? It's like, Running hurts my knees, it hurts my ankles, it hurts yeah. my, my hips. And I'm like, I get it, yeah. right? Because it's probably your form. It, you're just not efficient, right? Um, it's, mean, just dude, a, it's a learning curve. You got to to your point, when I go to marathons, and I mean, my brother now is like, you know, part of my media team and he, he records all my shit. Mm. And I tell him, like, dude, all you got to do is watch other people run. Some people walk with their feet point supinating out, duck yep. walking. Yep. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, People wonder why they get hurt after a marathon, after a half marathon. If you run like that, your body mechanics are not designed for overpronation or oversupination. Yeah. You do that over X amount of steps, you dude, oh, that's not how the body is supposed to move. Yep. And even if you just look at how you walk, a lot of people walk duck-footed. 100%. Right? So if you even analyze just from your walking gait, that's going to transfer into your running gait, your jogging mm-hmm. gait. So if you're walking with poor mechanics, that's just a bad foundation leading into a lot of over-repetition, 100%. which then leads to all the injuries. But dude, I cringe at times. I, I go to marathons, I'm like, I'd be with my wife and be run like, babe, like this? babe, look, look. She, she knows now, right? Cause I've told, cause oh. I helped her with her form. And then we'd be, you know, driving down the street. And I, man, I'm like, and I'm not the one to judge. I'm, I'm like, I want to stop. And you want to help. help. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you of know course. what I'm saying? I want to like get out of the car and like, you're on camera. Like, let me help you. Right. But like, yeah, I, I see folks and I, it hurts my soul. Like, I've been there. <laughs> Yo, but it's crazy you mentioned the jump rope because that was what my running coach told me to do with it. So it was kind of weird. He said, start with a jump rope, mm-hmm. right? Get your, get your elasticity, get your feet stronger, that kind of thing. But then pretend like you have a jump rope mm. and run with the jump rope. Yeah. Like you're trying to like skip, like get your, get your, uh, your gait to match the same, like you're running in place, Yeah, but just move forward the mm-hmm. same way. 
it was a it was a game changer for me. Like all of a sudden, I was like, oh, that's what it feels like to land on the on the middle of my foot. Yes, right. And yes. it's like, whoa, like that feels good now. Hundred percent. He was like, listen, everybody with perfect running form, even if you've never run a marathon before, should be able to run at a slow pace for as long as you want. Hundred percent. You just go at a slow pace. You should go forever. Because your body should be able to handle that naturally. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just not the case now. Of course. With with everything we have, sitting down too much, not strengthening our strengthening our glutes, all the all the stuff. But it, I'm just I'm curious because you coming from the the football background, I I would have assumed there'd be some kind of growing pains. Definitely. I mean, yeah. also some of my growing pains was I was running hard and fast. Every day. Oh, that's a big one. That whole concept of the 80-20 PRs. <laughs> yeah, like, like legitimately every, I, I, look, I used to look at my splits. I'm like, at that time, it was like 7-10, 7-15 was like a fast pace for me oh, yeah. on a slow day. Yeah. There was no easy days for me. I'm <laughs> You're like, like y'all killing the game. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, every day was a negative split workout. Like, yeah. I was like, and I didn't really understand as, you know, Nick Bear pushes out a lot of good content. His yes. coach, Jeff Cunningham, they do a lot of good stuff of, you know, really educating while also documenting it, right? Exactly. And I love that. And I, honestly, a lot of the way I create content is similar in that fashion of, I'm gonna use myself as a test dummy, as the guinea pig to show y'all that you could do this mm, shit. Mm. I always ran fast and I had a shit ton of shin splints and plantar fasciitis. The moment <laughs> I started working with Jeff and he was like, Matt, you need to slow down. Like, like easy efforts not, like for you is not seven minutes, it's fucking yeah. nine minutes, it's 8.45 and I'm like, I can go that slow? We got and that he, weight room mentality. 100%, right? I'm yeah. just like, go, go hard. And the moment I started slowing down my runs, taking easy days really easy, using recovery runs, and using that 80-20 rule of 80% of your runs should be very aerobic. They should be, you should be not even like, you should not even be breathing hard. Conversation. Just go out there and have a chat. And then the other 20, the dedicated fast days are dedicated fast days. Yes. And once I implemented that, my body was able to recover. <laughs> and yeah. I was shocked. I'm like, damn. I blame Strava, bro. <laughs> Because, you know, people give you kudos. Of course. Yo, what a killer run. Your splits are fast. And I'm like, I need to be slowing down. And, and it, <laughs> I'm it, going way too hard. It is the whole, like, you know what's funny is like, you know, a lot of people know me from making my videos of the mile split. Yeah. And, like, that's how people- I copied yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Because it's the best. It's but it, it, people, Steal like an artist. <laughs> 100%, right? People, like, get misconstrued with that because, like, you know, a, a proper runner will look at my time and be like, oh, Matt's slow. But a lot of people that look at that time, they're like- yeah. How is he running seven minutes? How is he running Casual, say it's slow. Right? right? So it's one of those things where too many people get lost in the time. Yes. And they're like, I'm running 845. It's slow. It's like, no, like you have to understand 845 for someone is fast as shit. Also, That's your their heart rate pace. too. 100%. Like if you're running 845 and your heart rate's at like 125. But like, I think it's like that comparison wow. mindset of like, oh my God, like what Josiah's doing, I need to do what he's doing. I need what Matt's doing. Like, no, like you need to do what's good for you mm. and stay focused and locked in on that. And I think that's why also running is a good reflection of yourself because you're not battling against anyone else. But the moment you try to battle against Kipchoge, you realize like this is damn near impossible. Mm. So it's like that reflection of like, it's you versus you. And yeah. I think that that messaging for running is a very positive thing for most people. 100%. And I do you call yourself a runner? I mean, now I just, I call myself an athlete. I'm a creator. Mm. Like I, I don't like putting myself in a box because like, Bro, I, I feel confident that like if us three want to go lift right now, I can go live with you guys. I'd be confident. And then if someone wants to go climb a fucking mountain, let's go do that. Yeah. If you want to go run 100 miles, let's go do that. You want to go in the pool, let's go swim. I could throw the football around. Let's go play basketball. Let's go play baseball. Like I, I'm, I want to be an athlete. I want to be multifaceted because mm. a long time, Josiah, I was like, I'm just a football player. Right. So like I was, I used to be that guy that was like, I'm just this man. I don't want to do nothing else. I don't want to snowboard. I don't want to get hurt for football. 
So I had my identity so lost in football where now I'm like, oh shit, I'm even, I'm in even better shape at 28. I can, I, I, now I can do anything I want, right? And I want to sure. continue to have that framework of just being curious and being a student of just life, right? I don't want to just be like, oh, Matt's that runner. People classify me as that, but I don't allow society to dictate who I am as a human. I love that. I love that. When you were a kid, did all you play was football? Mostly football, and I, I played basketball as when well. When did you start playing sports? How old were you? I was 11 years old. My mom, uh, I, I first thing I played was soccer. Oh, my mom is yeah. Korean, so she's like, yo, you guys are not Soccer's playing football. Soccer's awesome, man. Soccer's football. dope. Football. Football. Proper football. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was my first thing. And then I got into flag football right after that. And I just found a love for football. Were like, you just a natural athlete? It came very natural to me. Okay. And even my mom was just shocked. Like coaches would come up to her and be like, you're like, Matt's going to, he's going to do, he's going to succeed. And even at 11, 12 years old, like I was dominating. Starting at 11 is late. Like it seems, Bro, well, being late. a dad of two boys, it seems late. But just, why late. did you start late? I'm just curious. My mom put us in instruments and like other shit. And, oh. and as a single mom, like she couldn't, she, we, she didn't have as much support and access to provide us all the extracurricular activities. Sure. She's working two, three jobs just to put food on the table. So me and my brother, like we were always active because we were nineties babies. Like, yeah, yeah. There's, like, right. Like you were <laughs> on the phone like, and we didn't have all the systems so yeah, yeah. we're outside we're just playing but naturally she started to put us into sports like when she had more income and it just we started taking off and it, it was kind of like after school programs was our ability to release like our childhood yeah because it was like we didn't have much of that as a kid so um it was a little later for us compared to how early kids start now but then i talked to kids that start playing football in high school yeah freshman year at Definitely. 16 years old so i'm like I kind of got a good middle ground, I guess. For sure. I mean, my buddy, John Madsen, uh, he never played a down to high school football. Mm -hmm. Played for the Oakland Raiders. Just because he was a great athlete. Yeah. Tried out for college, made it, and then went, went pro. Scored a touchdown in a real game, too. So, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't a sucker. He was good. I'm curious, though, so 11, but what about your dad? Did your dad want you to play sports, or was he so, just like, whatever, you do what you need to do? I mean, my some, when I was telling you before, my dad lives in Queens. My mom was in Jersey. And when we, when we moved to Maryland, like my dad didn't have as much say, you know, like he's, he was very far away. Like it was more distant. I mean, I was always connected with my dad, mm. but he wasn't in the like weeds of the day to day. Right. Sure. So it wasn't like he was telling my mom, like you need to put them into this or do that. It was more just like, she let her parent us mm. and he would just provide from a distance. Right. So he never really dictated anything, but my dad used to play soccer when he was a kid. Oh, so that's kind of when we started playing football, like, I mean, proper soccer, proper, yeah, um, football, proper yeah, football. Yeah. Um, he was, he loved that. Mm. He didn't really understand American football. Right. Where's your dad from? He's from Korea. He's my parents are both Korean. Both Korean. Okay. Both gotcha. Korean. Gotcha. He's more traditional, still very traditional. My mom's way more Americanized. So it's kind of like we grew up a lot more just like American culture. So was it more strict? Sorry, I'm bouncing around a little bit. I'm just curious. Was it more strict when you were with your dad? It's funny. I mean, strict in the sense of more traditional values and like, like culture. Like we eat a lot more Korean food and okay. shit like that. But my dad being like more of a distant like side parent, he would always like provide like he would always like want us to feel like like it's like Christmas all the time. Uh, so when I see my dad, we'd always go to Toys R Us. We'd always, right? Like, so it wasn't, he wasn't strict in the sense of like, you guys need to be like this type of a man, this type of that, right? It was mm -hmm. more just like, he would show us through his own work ethic. Like my dad's a blue collar worker. He owns a bodega here in New York, like a classic immigrant story. Sure. So we just saw my dad hustle. We saw him like, cause it's a, it's a service business, right? You own yeah. a bodega, people coming in, they're getting sandwiches, they're getting cigarettes, they're getting beer, whatever. Um, but he wasn't like the strict, like, 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 father in that sense mm. because he wanted us to feel like it's christmas all the time honestly 
And sometimes me and my brother took advantage of that. We knew that when we went to go see my dad, it's like, we're going to go get a new Game Boy. We're going to get a game. We're going to get like yeah. the, the, the things my mom couldn't always give me, my brother, because for her, it was like, all right, we're just going to, we're going to get food on the table. Make sure you guys have what you need. But it was never in excess. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of that. So my dad wasn't the strictest, but he always made us feel like, like we could get what we want in a sense. Sure. Sure. So your mom gets you into sports at 11. You have a natural ability. So you will fast forward a little bit. You went and played college ball, but yeah. I'm curious to know from, from 11, 12 years old, what was that journey like? I mean, was your, was your mom like constantly getting you to sports or were you just like so naturally good? The coaches were like, Hey, yeah, he's just, he's going to work his way up. He just needs to show up. And, or was it like camps and coaching and like putting you in everything possible? It was the most minimal and me just taking advantage of it. Dang. Really? T- like, talk to me about that, though, because yeah. I think a lot of parents, me included, you know, one of my biggest fears is when you have kids who are athletes, mm. it's almost like the comparison syndrome again. Of course. Oh, my kid's doing this camp. My kid's doing this. He's got a personal coach. Oh, he's got a personal coach who's also has a personal coach. My kid's got a nutritionist. You're like, he's eight. What the hell? Yeah. Right? So there's this fear that I, I don't want to screw it up. For of course. Him, right? It sounds like your parents didn't screw it up for you, obviously. Yeah. but. I want to know kind of the strategy that took you from the this, 11 to, to ultimately is, a D1 player. This is amazing because I've never chatted about this. And I think it's going to be hit so home for you and just the audience. But um, I think Josiah, because my dad never pushed it either, my mom never even thought I could go earn a scholarship. Like it wasn't even a, a realm of reality. For us, it was always work on fo- focus on school, focus on academics. And that allows you to play sports. If you're not doing good in school, you're not going to play sports. I was the worst student, but I love fucking football. My mom never told me to go play football. My dad never, like, me and my brother chose that as our, like, love, right? And it would be to the point where me and my brother would go play out on our own. I would literally throw the football to myself and go catch it. That was me training. Your brother's younger or older? He's older than me. Okay. But, like, there would be times where, like, me and my brother would just use each other as, like, kind of, like, vehicles to get better, to train together. I have a training partner. Sure. My mom had just enough to put us into the sport, not enough to get us a performance coach or an extra trainer, right? We just had always access to, like, she would give us enough responsibility to be like, hey, there's a local basketball court. We would ride our bikes, go play pickup basketball. We would then set up, organize flag football games with my friends, my brother's friends, and we would play a pickup game on this every Saturday in Vegas. So we used to just find our own ways to create outlets for ourselves and the more, more, the more and more me and my brother now do business and we reflect on our childhood, I'm almost living out my childhood as an adult. Being an athlete, filming and documenting what I do. Literally, people, if they saw what I did at 10 years old, 12 years old, 14 years old at that time, to then be able to like 14 years later, see what I do now, it's literally the same thing. Mm. Almost being like that kid still, right? Sure. And my mom didn't have the access to do all the things of like put us in with the best coaches. So me and my brother found as many opportunities just created ourselves. You go play pickup basketball against five, eight, eight year older people than you, like sure. people that are older than you, like naturally you'll build grit. Yeah. Naturally you're going to go against people that are tougher, more physical, X, Y, and Z. And that was almost our training grounds. Sure. It was like, yo, go throw, get thrown in the fire, get your shot blocked because yeah. you're a young bull. Yeah. And like, that's how you learn Yeah. by trial, by fire. So that was a lot of our childhood. And even throughout high school, the first time I got a performance coach was when I earned a college scholarship mm-hmm. and I going into my, uh, go after my senior year, going into my first year in college. Mm-hmm. That was the first time my mom was like, all right, like, like, let's, we need to, you need to gain weight. You're about to go play division one football. Like now let's invest into a coach. Let's mm. invest into a trainer. But prior to that, it was all just 
the high school program that I had at, at the high school I went to, Quince Orchard, which was sure. a pretty dominant high school in terms of a public school. Yeah. And that was just a foundation of just hard work. So you just had a desire for it. Like, I fucking loved football. Mm. And like, I would have done anything. I would have ran through a brick wall to make sure that I had an opportunity to play. So yeah. my mom never had to like put a carrot in front of us. Right, no Xbox. And a lot of parents <laughs> do that shit now. Like, right. dude, I wanted to go play. Like, yeah. I wanted to go practice. So that I think is a different element nowadays where mm. to your point, right? Like maybe even some of your fear for your kids that have talent, yeah. it's almost like, yeah, you don't want to fuck it up. You don't want them to lo- like lose the love of the game. Yeah. I never lost the love. Like it was always there. So my mom was more just controlling that love, making sure that I'm doing good in school. Yeah. Make and, sure you stay out of trouble. Exactly. And, and making sure I'm doing good things off of the field because there was no question on the field, I was going to do whatever it took to earn a college scholarship. Sure. What'd it take to earn it though? Like if you had to box that up and tell a young kid, hey, this is what it takes to earn. Because you went to D1 football. Yeah. I mean, I played college sports. That's not easy to do, right? What, what does it really take to earn something like that? I mean, there's a level of passion that you just hopefully have as a kid, right? If, if, if your parents are the one that want, if the parents trying to relive their dream through their kid, at some point, the kid's not going to want to do it no more, right? Because when you wake up at 5.30 in the morning and you're having to do up-downs in the fucking cold in New Jersey, like if, if you're doing that because your dad's telling you to do it, yeah. you're screwed. You're done. So there's a level of passion. Um, understanding what sacrifice is, right? Like you have to sacrifice who you are today for what you want to become. A good, good, good story for this is like my junior prom. I went to junior prom just like most, most kids do in, in, in high school. The next day was a big showcase for a lot of college scouts. You know how it is in, in, in high school. There's always ways to drink. There's always ways to- Sipping. Yeah, of yeah. course, right? You yeah. have the after party and you want to go oh, hook yeah. up with girls or X, Y, and Z. A bunch of my high school teammates, we all basically went to junior prom, but the next day we woke up at six o'clock and went to this showcase. Mm-hmm. Basically sacrificing this quick like memory that most kids live up for, sure. for who you want to become. The next day, I earned my first scholarship, a division two school, University of Charleston. I balled out at this camp. Damn. And that moment right there, I just realized, I'm like, oh shit, this route, most kids would have just stayed at junior prom. They would have partied. They would have hooked up. They would have done the thing of like living the high school in the moment. F- facade, right? And I think it's stories like that. It's sacrificing who you are today for who you want to become. Dang. And that's what it takes to, to go earn a college scholarship, to go play in the NFL, to start a business, to do whatever you want in this world. Like everyone wants things so fast. Yeah. They want to live in the moment. And I get that. Like you get one chance to live, but- if you want to do awesome shit in this world, if you want to be different, you have to take a different route. And even in that example of like being 17 and being like, yo, I I have, I have senior prom. Mm. Why am I tripping over this? Like I still got to go. I just think I'd go to the after party. Mm. It's not that serious. Mm. And I think for most high school kids, all you know is high school. You want to be cool. You want to be in the cliques. You want to have a cute girlfriend, all this shit. When in reality, like that shit just fades. And I think the more you realize that like, you need to always invest in yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. And if you don't do that, then at some point, like people might believe in you, but if you don't believe in yourself, your plateau will happen very soon. And then you're going to be like, I'm just living in the glory days. I know so many guys that still talk about high school. I'm like, bro, what are you doing now? Like, what the fuck are you working for now? What's your goal for the end of the year? And like, I went to two back-to-back state championships in high school, all those, all the things. So many people still live in that. I'm like, bro, you know, that's eight years ago. You're a young buck, bro. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm saying, like, you make me feel so old right now. I know, but you know, no cap, no cap. I'm gonna use a cool term. 
Two weeks from now is my 20-year high school reunion. No shit. You know, you know who's not going? This guy. Because I got no desire to go. And I got people that I'm cool with, right? Like, I, I know people and we're cool, like Facebook, friends or whatever. But I told my wife, I was like, man, like, I don't even know what I would talk about. You know what I'm saying? Like, life is, like, I'm a different person, Damn. different chapter. But talk about baseball days? Like, eh. Talk about football? Eh. You know, like, those things, like, it just, it doesn't bring me, like, the joy I thought it might back then. Right? Like, oh, 20 years from now, we're going to be on the front porch smoking cigars, talking about, we went to state championships for baseball, yeah. we lost, but, Same you know, here. but it sucks. <laughs> I mean, I remember we were all crying our eyes out, oh, my life's over. I know. And then it's like, now I give a f- right? Like, you know, I got two boys. That's what I care about now, right? Like, that's my life. And I got this. But it's crazy you say that because that awareness has got to be one in a million for kids that age. Dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I remember that love of the game for baseball. I remember waking up early, driving to showcases by myself, taking my mom's beat up van, driving two hours to Williamsburg, Virginia to do a showcase. Four o'clock in the morning because I had to be there at six. By myself in the rain because my mom was like, well, I can't take you. I got the kids. Like, I got to do other stuff, right? Yeah. So you got to go. My co- my high school coach was paying for it. So like, I'm being there, right? I'm, I'm not missing this. But it's like, I feel like you have, it's, it's almost like, I don't know, man. I, I want to ask you this because I think this is this is where I'm trying to get to. I feel like it's kids who don't have it all handed to them in some sort of way. Bro. Is that it? That's got to be part of it, right? Sorry, I didn't have TV, cable TV. I didn't have no video games. None of that crap. I had a, a, a wiffle ball bat mm-hmm. in a backyard. That was all I had, right? So, of course, sports is my outlet. Yeah. It's my imagination. It's everything, Creativity, right? everything. Creativity, right? It's like, I think maybe my deep fear, and we should talk about this, is like, we got to recreate that for kids now. Because, bro... You got free video games on the phone now. Yeah. You don't got to go buy an Xbox. Yep. You got it right there, an app away. I think there's something to that. 100%. You got that hunger that there's something missing. So it's like, I got to go get this, right? I got to go get this. I'm going to sacrifice junior prom, drinking and taking shots or whatever. Cause like, I got it. Tomorrow's the day. Yeah. That's going to build something for me for, for that I can really put my hat on, right? There's something to that. I, I love that you said that. Adversity is a fucking strength, mm. right? Like the reason I was so passionate about football was like, I also knew that was my ticket out. Like my mom, my parents are divorced. My mom is not gonna be able to pay for me to go to a four year university. Facts. If I didn't earn a college scholarship, it's community college or the military. Yep. So that's my ticket of like all my other friends, like they have two parent households. They have, they're, they're gonna go to their dream school. I'm not applying to Penn State. I'm not applying to University of Maryland or any of these schools that all my friends are applying to. I'm like, I don't even wanna go down that route of the four years of college being my best years of my life. Like, screw that. And to your point, I always tell my brother this. I'm like, the way that we grew up created this chip on the shoulder. Not having anything, not having handouts created this chip on the shoulder of how I still have it now. Mm. And that ability is something that sometimes when you have shortcomings, it does create strength. You look at so many kids that have their spoon fed everything, their trust fund babies. They go through so much more mental, like mental health issues and just like internal self-esteem issues and self-awareness issues because all they know is money. Sometimes that's a that's worse. And if you think about the world that we try to create for ourselves and for our, our families, it's comfort. Yeah. It's stability. But in sometimes in reality, not having those things create this armor effect of like it's you're callousing yourself. Mm in a different way. Goggins talks about all the time of callousing your mind, right? Armoring yourself because when life throws shit at you, how are you gonna respond? If you've just been given everything, silver spoon platter, and 
something happens, you freaking fold like a cheap chair. Right. Right. So if you don't have that grit, if you don't have that like ability to respond and be resilient, at some point when life throws a fucking jab, at you, a, a gut punch at you, it, it throws something that you can't handle, you'll see what you're made of. Right. But I think in those moments, to your point, I always tell my brother, I'm like, understand that use your history, use your past and use it as a strength. Right. Because so many kids had way more than me and my brother. At the same time, so many kids had it worse. Sure. So that level to like have some level of perspective and gratitude of like, yo, we didn't have it the best. We didn't have it the worst. I'm going to utilize what we got, what we had and use it to our advantage now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I live now where it's like, Dude, I know plenty of people that had it shittier than me and my brother, mm. but there's a lot of people that had it way better. And the ability to kind of stay even keeled and grounded in that, I think is part of my success. And it's part of my strength of like, I don't allow the highs get me too high and the lows get me too low. Especially in this age, just I now, all this shit on social, all the distractions, yeah. all the admiration and the hate. The love, the, the love, hate. All that shit, bro. Like, right? Yeah. The ability not the to fake let, love, fake course, hate. All yeah. of it. Like, yeah. not letting that get to your head and mm. feel like, oh, I'm, oh, now I have X amount of followers. I got money in the bank. I'm some fucking guy. Like, no. Like, I get back all, like, I get back so much of my time. I do so many things that are not revenue focused because I just feel like I want to be a human. Mm. And it's human shit. And that's how, the biggest thing my mom taught me is like, at the end of the day, it's about how you, how people, how you make people feel. Right. And that learning that from my mom, just through her own actions of her seeing her work, seeing her hustle. And then for me to then go work corporate job, a job that I fucking hated. But the <laughs> biggest lesson I learned in that job was treat the janitor how you would the CEO. So many people want to kiss the feet to the CEO and, and learn how they got there X, Y, and Z. And they feel like they can only learn from someone that's a top dog. You can learn from someone that's homeless. You can learn someone that's cleaning up after yourself. Like, like that sometimes the lowest person on the totem pole, you can learn more from that person than the fucking CEO. Mm. And I think so many times in this society, everyone's like, I need to get into Cuban circle. I need to get into these people's circle. When in reality, sometimes the person that you're seeing right in front of you, you can learn so much through that person if you just hear, if you listen, and you have an open perspective of like, yo, at the end of the day, we're all human on this earth, right? We're all having a human experience. Facts. And some people have it different than others. And that's what it is. But I think too many times nowadays, because of social, because of all this shit, like we only look up to the people like, yo, they're billionaires. I need to fucking know what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we got so much in common. It's crazy. I, know, I mean, dude, I, I'm Taj Lottie. I'm so, dude. This is awesome. I've talked about shit I've never talked about. You're, you're talking, you're, you're bringing me back. Cause you're, how old are you? I'm 28. Man. Yeah. You're, you're wise past your years, of course, but like I'm, I'm 10 years older than you, mm -hmm. but I did the math when you said the 20 years. Yeah. It's my 10 year high school reunion. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's your 10 year. You probably felt old for a second, but now you're like, I'm not that old. Your, your choices coming out of school were exactly the same as mine. It was, in fact, my father was like, you're going to the military. School, college, what? No, go for free. Go to the military and then go to college later. I was like, but baseball. I can't go play baseball when I'm 26. Yeah. You know, I'm going to waste my, my prime years. And I knew my, my parents couldn't pay for school. They got yeah. six kids. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And then they got divorced. She worked out in jobs. My dad's military. Didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. So it's like, you realize even then, it's like, this is how I'm getting out of here into the next chapter. Or at least this is how I'm going to make something out of my life yeah. and not be a liability or whatever. Um, it's interesting though, because there's this quote, and I'm sure you'll appreciate it. You've probably heard it a hundred times, but uh, it's, it's weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. Mm. And then strong men create good times and good times create weak men. And it's this cycle. And I, 
I'll, I'll say something. This isn't about me on the show. It's about you. But I just, I'll say something I haven't said before. This keeps me up at night because my kids have it really good. Yeah. They don't, they want to do a camp. Yep. Yeah. You want to go where we go, got coached by the Redskins a couple weeks ago, or sorry, commanders. Yeah. <laughs> you know, East Coast, baby, we got to rep the Redskins. But, I, you know, they go get coached by the Redskins players, right? That's not cheap. We do soccer camps. We do everything. Yeah. And it's driven really by my desire to do everything I couldn't do as a kid. Because all my friends were doing it, bro. I lived in this neighborhood where it was like, it was it was the poor neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But like two blocks away was the rich neighborhood. And then two blocks that way was like the hood hood. So I was just like you. I knew people who had nothing. Yeah. Who were the best athletes I knew. Yeah. And then the kids who were like, I'm like, you suck, dog. Yeah. But your parents think you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to 18 camps. So you get the rankings because you're paying for the damn rankings. 100%. Like you're playing for the, that was the old yep. school blue check. <laughs> you pay for the ranking, dog. The fucking rivals ranking. Yes. I'm like, you son of a, right? So I know exactly what you went through. And it's just like that hunger that it creates. And also the awareness is like, Man, I could be on that side where I got nothing. My dad's not even, I don't even know, you know, they don't even know who their dad is. I didn't have a great relationship with my dad, but at least I knew who he was. And my mom cared, you know, she was in in my life. Their mom is never home, right? Like I, and then my, the other side where I was like, man, you're so spoiled. Like I know this, this vibe. It's such, so my question is like, and you're not a dad yet, but like, as you, I'm sure you will be, you'll be an amazing dad one day, but it's like, you, you want to create this struggle. (laughs) but you don't want to see your kid hurt. You know what I'm saying? Of course. And I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. So all I'm doing, because I don't know any other way to do it right now, is I'm putting them in uncomfortable positions as much as I can, whether it's sports, learning, business, whatever. And I'm just trying to create a situation where they don't know what the hell they're going to do. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, figure it out, figure it out. And I'll be there. They know I'm kind of there, but like, we're going to go do stuff that sucks. You know, I put my kid in a Spartan race. I'm like, you're doing a Spartan. Yeah. Because it sucks. <laughs> but I'm like, but I'm also paying for a Spartan at eight years old. So it's like, yeah, it's pretty awesome at the same time. Yeah. Right. So it's like, how do we, and it's like this, this weird twist of fate where it's like, all you wanted was to get this amazing life. And now all you want for your kid is to struggle a little bit so mm. that they have an amazing life. It's so hard to do, bro. You know, I, I think you're going about it in a way that is actually tangible and it makes sense. Like, yeah. It's logical. I mean, you don't, I don't see why a parent like in your situation would go put themselves in a section eight household. Like, no, it's so much you can do. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. Right. But I think what you're doing as a father, it's like, yeah, you know, creating uncomfortability within the comfort. Right. They yeah. know that they're gonna have a place to sleep at night, but Hey, we're going to go cold punch. Yes. We're going to go do this thing. We're going to go Spartan race. We're going to, we're going to go, you're going to learn a sit skill. hundred percent. Yeah. We're not going to, you're not going to, there'll be time to play on the game, the system, whatever it is, but there's also going to be time where you're going to be a student. You're going to go learn an instrument. You're going to do this sport. You're going to do this yeah. activity. And I think above all else, and you know, you're right. I'm not a dad yet. So it's hard for me to even give advice. I love what Gary talks about because Gary Vaynerchuk's the same thing, right? He came from a household, lived in Queens, eight people in a household. And he's like, how do I teach my kid? I want him to have perspective. I want him to be grateful for what he has and be kind of shit to people. Mm. If your kid is doing those things, man, you're a proud ass dad, right? If he's a good kid, if he's a good human first, that's all that fucking matters. He might not be the most hungry in his sport. He might not be the most hungry in business, but if you are, as a father, are teaching him the morals of what it is to be a good man, a good human, Mm -hmm. like, that is a lot of shit that most kids don't even have now. Right. So I feel like you're, I mean, I would go about it in a way that you are. Mm. I would create as much uncomfortability within the comfort that he has and do it in a way that is respectable for you and your, your family and your situation. But yeah, create uncomfortability. Like I think it works in fitness. 
it works for adults, it's gonna work for kids. Yep. And at some point you're gonna get the feedback loop from your own boys of like, dad, like, I appreciate it. I guarantee in a couple of years when they start to mature, they're gonna be like, yo, I appreciate you doing that. Or mm. dad, it was kind of crazy you did that shit for us. Like, you know, <laughs> whatever the feedback yeah. loop is, I mean, the, the I think the dopest thing about parenting is that there's no rule book. There's no rule book, there's no blueprint. Right? Yeah, like, no, there's no, tr I'll tell you this in advance. <laughs> Don't waste your money on the baby books. Yeah, like, they fuck. don't tell you anything. <laughs> they tell you the same things, but once you get the kid, you're like, yeah, it doesn't work. It's, you gotta adjust it, right? It's like yeah. a game plan. It's like a client that's ultimate, different. Ultimate game of chess, man. You, you don't even, adjust. it's a surprise box is what it is. You don't know what's coming out. You can't, you know, predict their personality. And then you have two and one's different than the other. So you got you thought you had to figure it out. And the next one comes and you're like, oh man, they're so different. <laughs> like this is, this. is they're not gonna respond to the same stuff. I think to your point, I guess what I can speak on is like, I didn't always have a, like my, my dad wasn't the strongest father figure in my life. I gravitated more towards mentors and coaches. Those were the people, and I think that's why I love sports so much. My mom gave me this self-esteem, this love in the household, but there was no man that was like, yo, man, like you're crushing it, good job, right? So coaches became that for me. Coaches that were like, yo, you're gonna do awesome practice today, way to work hard, way to hustle, like all those things that, that positive reinforcement I think as a father, like if you can provide that to your kid and he knows that you're he's that you're there for to support him, that you're gonna be there and be honest with him when he fucks up, but you're not gonna judge him for his mistakes, like that's what I would want. Like that's the type of dad I wanna be. People are like, yo, man, you're a runner, you're a business, all this shit. I'm like, no, I already know that my biggest thing is gonna be when I'm a dad, I wanna be the best fucking dad. Period. You are gonna be the best dad. And like that's gonna end up being like what drives me. And right now it's not in the it's not in the season of my life, mm. but when that is. I know that all this shit I'm doing right now is to showcase to my kid, like, uh, this is this is what it is to be a man, to own your shit, to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to make sure that you take accountability for your mistakes and your successes. And I think if you do that, man, you'll look at yourself and be like, yo, I did the best I could. And then at the end of, you already know as a kid, kids gotta fuck up on their own and then learn from their mistakes. As parents, you can't be a helicopter parent forever. And you could put them in the best things and the best resources, the best coaches, but at some point the kid has to make a decision. What do they really want to do? And if you can do that as a parent, I think that's a fucking success. Whether they go to the NFL, MLB, or they just own their own business or they're an employee. Right. If they're happy doing what they love to do, I think that's all that matters. This is powerful stuff, man. I love it. I love dude, it. This is fire. I can't wait to see I'm you become a dad. You're going to be I'm, a great dad. I'm fucking dude. pumped. You're already creating a, and I had this, this like secret project that I'm working on called Sons. And I, I haven't talked about it publicly this first time, but I, uh, it's a book and it's also going to be a podcast where I have guys on who have kids and we just give like the best advice, right? And we create this like, this, this just endless amount of opportunity for young men to learn from a vast array of people, right? Cause my family comes from, my wife's family comes from Afghanistan mm -hmm. and like the father figures on that side, man, they have a whole different perspective I'm sure. on life, war, the world, whatever sports too. They love sports, but like totally different sports. And my kids get that perspective. And now I was like, man, you know, I, I know as a man, like my knowledge is so is limited in some aspects, right? Like I know a lot, but like, I want the mentorship mm -hmm. to be something that is accessible for young men. Right. It's such a, it's such a massive thing. It was a massive thing in my life too. Um, so it's something that I know as you become a dad and you know, that chapter is probably, yeah, you got a couple of years, but you, <laughs> you're getting there. Um, yeah. The way your socials grow, you might have, <laughs> you might, you might have some opportunities <laughs> really soon here. But, um, but at the end of the day, it, it's, it's, it takes a village, right. To raise, to raise a young man, but not just that it takes, it takes a group of, of strong men 
to raise a great man, right? And if you're, you know, if you don't have a great dad or if you didn't have a great dad, it's like, it's not the end of the world. Like we're, I'm living proof. You had a great father, or at least better than what I had. He's in your life, but it's not the end of the world, right? There's, there's mentors, there's coaches and like the accessibility that we have now. Oh it's my crazy. gosh. But I want young men to get that, right? I want them to get that access and realize, Hey, I don't got to like being, being an island or isolated, yeah. I can get mentorship, right? Which is, which is such a big deal. I want to ask you though, because I know your time's super valuable, man. You're doing something crazy. I don't know if you can talk about it too much, but you're running all these damn marathons, right? So I'm, I'm running my first marathon in Congrats. November. We didn't even talk about marathon running. I know, I know. <laughs> Fuck, dude. But it's all good. It's all good. It's even better, honestly. Follow your social. I'm sure yeah, you're I mean, dude, a lot. People could, they, could, they could hear marathons all the time. Yeah, it's, yeah. But you are doing something awesome. So what are you doing in November? I want to just talk about it a little bit and we yeah. kind of go yeah. from there. Um, so to your point, this year I set a goal to run a marathon a month just to one challenge myself, right? People are always like, Matt, like you ran a marathon. Why do you keep doing them? It's mm. like, I don't want to be that guy that ran it once, put the 26.2 on the, on the back of their car and tells them once again, the glory days of when I ran my first marathon. Mm. I love the factor of every race is a different challenge. Every time you show up to that race, it's a different adversity that you're facing, right? So I'm doing a marathon a month, but in November, I want to go back to Korea. And there's this thing called the Four Rivers Trail. It's 392 miles close to the DMZ border where North and South Korea is, you run through all the way through Korea. Obviously, it's a feat of a physical feat. I want to sure. attempt 15 marathons in 15 days. You do the math, it would cover 393 miles. 15 days in a row. Wow. So that would be 393 miles. It would cover that entire bike mm. trail. Yep. But even more so, I haven't been back to Korea for 21 years. My dad sent me my brother when I was seven years old. My brother was 10. And that was the first time I saw my dad's side of the family. He, they all live in Korea. My mom's side lives all here in the States. So it was the first time for me to like soak in culture. I grew up so Americanized, so whitewashed. All my Korean friends that are more Korean, yeah. they're like, man, you're so goddamn white. Bro, you're white, bro. You're white, bro. And I, dude, I used to be embarrassed about my culture mm. as a kid. Mm, my wow. mom would pack like kimchi and like different Korean foods. And I'd be like, mom, like, just pack me PB&J like, cause like all the kids are making fun of me at school. Right, and like, it was literally that insecurity yeah. of like not being proud of where I came from. Right. The funny thing, Josiah, if I could stay here and have dinner with you, I'll be like, yeah, let's get Korean food. Oh, hell yeah. I wanna show more people now like what my culture is all about. And because Korean culture and Asian culture has gotten more popular over the past mm -hmm. couple of years, now it's easier to, to, to feel like it's cool. Mm -hmm. But for such a long time, I didn't wanna show that part of my life, right? That part of my who I am. So. Part of the thing about the Korea trip is like, I wanna showcase and, and hopefully inspire other immigrants, other people that look like me, that are Asian, that whatever they, whatever it is, to be proud of where you came from. Especially if you're a yeah. young kid. Don't yeah. be, don't try to hide in the shadow of your fucking culture. Like, mm. stand up and be like, yo, this is who I am and this is where, like, this is where I come from, right? And yeah. I wanna then, as I do this 15 marathons in 15 days, stop by small farms, stop by small towns, eat with the locals, talk with the locals, and be able to have that interaction of just like being human once again, but soaking in my culture and where I came from. Yeah. So it's obviously a physical feat. Sure, People have done crazier shit than that, right? William Goo just ran across America 55 miles a day. Dean Carnazes mm -hmm. has ran 50 marathons in 50 days. So it's not, that it's still a physical feat, right? Yeah, it's, it's 15 crazy. fucking it's marathons in 15 days. But yeah. even more so, I want it to be about culture. Mm -hmm. I want it to be around an immigrant story, someone that's Korean American coming back to his hometown. And I want to create a documentary where it's showcasing a lot of that, not just this physical feat. Bro, that is sick, man. I get hyped up about stuff like that. Like, I like adventures. <laughs> 100%. It's like an ultra almost. Anything, so like fitness is so cool because like, Fitness can be used to do things that have 
really like at the end of the day, like not much to do with fitness. Like in this case, it's storytelling. It's, yeah, it's storytelling. It's inspirational. It's it's uniting people, right? It's coming together around a cause. Mm-hmm. Um, it's influential on many different levels. Uh, you have such a vast array of followers. I'm sure the diversity in your followers is crazy. So you'd be like inspiring a lot of people to maybe do something too, right? For their own culture. But you're using fitness as a low hanging fruit it's the vehicle. to make it happen. Oh, I love it, bro. Like that's, that's honestly like, that is what fitness is all about. I, bro. It's just the lowest hanging fruit to improving or winning in every part of your life or creating something that will help others win. Man, that is so cool. It's relatable. Right? Yeah. Like, dude, for a long time, I thought football was going to be that vehicle for me to speak up for mm. Asian culture, for Koreans. The fact you said that it's running, something yeah. that I used to hate to do <laughs> is the vehicle that I can now even make a greater impact. It continues to feel me and inspire me to just keep doing this shit and not stop, honestly. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. It's, it's funny because my kids are Afghan, half Afghan, mm-hmm. right? And I was Googling the other day because I'm sick. I was like, NFL Afghan players. <laughs> <laughs> It was like a big fat zero. It has never happened. So I was like, well, it's soccer it is, but no, but it's just like, it's, it's, but the world's changing, right? And I said this years ago. I said, you know, cause I'm married uh, and we have a mixed family. And I said, um, pretty soon when my kids are older, even maybe even sooner than that, we're going to have such a melting pot, right? Not just here in the States, but like everywhere, right? And it's going to be cool to see what happens because there's going to be a lot of things and, and barriers broken, right? 100%. You know, and I, I'm the last person to get into like, you know, politics, but it's like, there, there's, there's so many opportunities. I get excited about it, right? Like I don't get in like this weird, like funky, weird state that some people get in when they talk about stuff. I'm like, yo, there's a lot of cool things that are going to happen for a lot of different, different types of people, 100%. not just, you know, white, black or whatever, but like Afghan Americans, yeah. like those kids, man, there's some great Afghan athletes that just maybe have never got a chance. I'm sure you could say the same thing for your culture. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you break down some of those preconceived or, you know, misconceptions or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like the, when someone broke the five minute mile, 100%. you know, it's like, Oh, it can never be done. One person does it, 50 people do it. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And it just takes that one guy to be like, yo, check out what I'm doing. And it's like, well, I could, he looks like me. It opens you the floodgates. Yeah. Like that's crazy, bro. So, Awesome. So are you going to start training for that now? Or is that just something that's going to be, I mean, you'll be ready because you're doing a damn marathon every month. Part of it is the marathon a month kind of like, I just want that distance to feel like it's just like, it, it's very feasible. Like I don't, yeah. there's you don't not get like, like psyched out about it. Exactly. There's yeah. no anxiety when I go into a marathon. I'm like, it's, it's not even to get cocky or arrogant about it. It's just like, I know what, it. how my body's going to respond. I know what feeling I need to do. I like challenging myself with feeling, whether it's going more uh, fat with ketones, whether it's going crazy on cars. Like I want to just challenge myself now with the distance by feeling it differently. But to your point, I I don't go with much anxiety when I go to a marathon. I'm like, I can complete this race. It's different than running a PR, right? Mm -hmm. We chatted about it before. Like that ability to just stay very elastic off the ground. Like a lot of people should hold that pace for more than just a marathon. Sure. So also with this distance, it's going to be like, I'm, if I have to walk a little bit, I will. Right. Sure. So it's like, dude, you're it's not a race. You're just it's not a race. Through it, right. Yeah. I'm getting through the distance and that's all that matters. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I'm so mentally prepared. I'm mentally equipped 
Mm. My body will. It's going to just tag along on the process. Uh, you'll be. You'll kill it. <laughs> there's a good warm up for you in. Uh, I don't know if you know. Uh, end of October uh, in DC. There's a nice little Marine, Marine Corps, Corps marathon, baby. You gotta come <laughs> run with me, man. My first ever marathon. I might have to come pop in. I'm gonna be ready, man. I'm gonna crush that. You're gonna kill thing. it. Yeah, I'm not going for a slow time. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hammer that joint. <laughs> I love it. I love. It. I love that, dude. I appreciate your time, man. I know you got other things to do, other people to see, but this has been an absolute pleasure. You blew my expectations out of the water, man. Bro, I'm not gonna lie. When uh, I'm glad that you didn't do much research this literally felt like the cameras like this just felt like a conversation like i've I've chatted about shad never honestly i don't even i say that that. i don't say that a lot because a lot of people dude you could have gone the marathon route Mm. but it would have been very similar to a lot of my other pods yeah but like the the actual in depth of like you as a father me growing up without a father figure in my life like that shit sometimes that emotional story like bro you it was a home run i appreciate that man yeah you you know you always go into you know, situations where it's weird because I've gotten used to it now, but where you know someone from online yeah. and they're like, yeah, follow this guy's stuff. By the way, just not to blow smoke up your ass, but your content is the best. I love your account. It's freaking it, awesome. Bro. I steal like an artist from it all the time because it's inspiring. And as a creator, I'm like, yo, this is fire. I gotta make my own, right? <laughs> so your, your content is great, but you follow someone for a while and then you're like, I wonder if they're like that in person. You know, and I've met a lot of people from yeah. online in person. Some of them are cool, some of them are not. Yeah. And it's like you always have that little voice in your head, like, I wonder if they're gonna be cool. You blew my <laughs> expectations out of the way. You're awesome, man. I you're, appreciate you're a good that, dude. Bro. Yeah. I appreciate really, it. really, really good dude. I really appreciate um, that. where can people connect with you? Not that I won't share where your where your stuff is, but like where's the best place to connect with Matt? Yeah, I mean you guys can follow me on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube. Um, Instagram and TikTok, Matt Choi underscore six. And then YouTube is just Matthew Choi. Are you big on YouTube too? Because I follow your YouTube. Are you like putting out a lot? Of, like, is I'm, that like a dude, big this has thing been, to do? The past year and a half, it's been yeah. a major focus to do more long form. Okay. Because now so many people see me on short form content. Like I actually am I'm relaunching a pod as well. Mm. So like that, yeah, definitely d- definitely get me on YouTube because like you'll see a lot more storytelling. The Korea 15 yeah. to 15 will be there. It'll oh, live yeah. there. Um, and I'm just investing more into that just in terms of like challenging myself as a creator, right? Like, mm. Doing long form is different than creating <sighs> shorts. So hard. <laughs> it's tough, We're doing long dude. form this weekend at the IROCs. It's, really, like, it's, it's tough. It's storytelling, but it's, it's longer stories. It's, you, know? it's a, you have to be more intentional with it. Mm. Really think about like what you're trying to captivate while also still being authentic. So definitely check me out on YouTube. But awesome. yeah, it's, it's, it's been a big commitment. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Well, dude, once again, your time's awesome, valuable. Appreciate you being here, man. I appreciate you having me, man. This it's been fun. Epic. Yeah. I can't wait to our paths cross again, bro. Appreciate ah, you, man. Marine Corps. <laughs> I love it. Let's love it. go. That wraps up today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the True Transformation Podcast. And don't forget to check out ButcherBox. My kids are absolutely over the moon with these chicken nuggets. You can get chicken nuggets for a year plus 10% off your first box when you go to butcherbox.com forward slash true and use code true, T-R-U-E at checkout. Go check them out. They're great friends of mine. And man, they have an incredible product. Excited for you to check out their meats and their nuggets and just make eating healthy that much more convenient. Until next time, life moves fast. Make it count. Talk to you soon. Peace.